Good morning, everyone. I'm R. W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 9th of January, the ninth day of 2023, with 356 days ahead of us on our way to 2024. And now we welcome the new year. Austrian poet Ranier Maria Rilke writes, full of things that have never been. Heavenward this evening, looking south just above the horizon, we'll find our waning gibbous moon glowing near the sickle of the constellation Leo the Lion. At the end of the sickle's handle is Regulus, Leo's brightest star, 77 light years from Earth. Today in 1839, the daguerreotype photo process was announced at the French Academy of Science. Today in 1861, during the nascent Battle of Fort Sumter, the Union ship Star of the West was fired upon while trying to deliver supplies to the fort in Charleston Harbor, South Carolina. Today in 1959, Rawhide with Clint Eastwood premiered on CBS TV. And today, as a handwriting exercise, sometime around 1744, George Washington, in a school writing assignment, began copying out the Francis Hawkins 1640 translation of a Jesuit manual of French etiquette, originally published in 1595. The first one is, every action done in company ought to be with some sign of respect to those that are present. Yet the fifth one is perhaps especially pertinent for us during our 21st century trials with the plague, otherwise known as COVID. If you cough, sneeze, sigh, or yawn, do it not loud but privately, and speak not in your yawning, but put your handkerchief or hand before your face and turn aside. Meanwhile, drawing a bead on the national COVID picture, the New York Times observes this past week, the Northeast remains a troubling hotspot. The nation's daily average of reported cases this past week was near 66,000, with the daily average of deaths being 474, meaning at least 3,318 people died this past week from COVID in the U.S., not a big number perhaps, unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. Or perhaps think of it this way. Every three minutes last week, someone died from COVID. Sound like the pandemic's over? The United States, to date, has had 102 million cumulative reported cases of COVID since the first reported instances of the disease on January 21st, 2020. The newest Omicron variant to emerge in the U.S. at the end of 2022 is XBB, that's X-Ray, Bravo, Bravo, especially taking hold in New England, reports the Bangor Daily News, and the new spin-off subvariant XBB 1.5 has appeared in more than 40% of U.S. cases. Ultimately, the U.S. continues to be the world's leader in COVID, providing we are the most hospitable people to the virus, engendering 16% of the world's 665 million cases when we're only 4% of the world's population. 5 million of the world's 665 million reported cases were recorded this past week. Elsewhere on the planet, major industrialized nations continue to hold second through seventh places in cumulative numbers of infection at the moment, respectively, India, 
France, Germany, Brazil, Japan, and South Korea. On the fatal front globally, current numbers of deaths due to COVID are officially at 6.8 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States, according to Johns Hopkins and other credible sources, are presently at 1.2 million. Worldwide, more than 13.2 billion doses of vaccine have been administered, but remember only 60% of all Americans are vaccinated, and only half of those vaccinated have had a minimum of one booster shot since. Today in 1913 in Yorba Linda, California, Frank Anthony Nixon and Hannah Milhouse Nixon, who was of Indian Indiana Quaker family who had been part of the Underground Railroad there and had moved to the Quaker community in Whittier, had a son whom they named Richard. In 1903, Hannah married Frank, moved to Yorba Linda, bought the lemon farm where Richard was born. Hannah had bestowed that name on her son as she thought of Richard the Lionhearted. But young Richard Nixon had a difficult youth, nearly killed at age three when he fell from a carriage and split open his skull, and then nearly dying again at age four when he contracted pneumonia. Though some biographers speculate these near-death experiences strengthened Nixon's reserve. A relative later would remark, He wasn't a little boy you wanted to pick up and hug. It struck me that he wanted to, it, it struck me that he did not want to be hugged. In the 1920s and the subsequent Depression continued to be years of struggle for the family, with two of Nixon's brothers dying of tubercular diseases. Richard Nixon nonetheless remained studious, attending Whittier College, where he was elected student body president and was a member of the football team. Going on to Duke Law School, he, be, he again was elected the student body president and became active in student theater. After obtaining his law degree, he returned to Whittier, went into practice, and applied for a position with the FBI. But his application was misplaced and hence never answered. So he remained in California, eventually meeting a hopeful young actress, Thelma Catherine Patricia Ryan, who went by the name of Pat, while both were auditioning for roles at a local community theater. Nixon immediately asked her to marry him. I thought he was nuts, she later said. She wouldn't date him, but he persisted, even offering to drive when other boys took her out. Two years later, she relented, and they were married. As a Quaker, Nixon could have stayed out of World War II, during which at first he was working as an attorney in Washington, D.C. for the Office of Price Administration. But soon he secured a commission in the U.S. Navy, serving in the Pacific where he helped build airstrips and became notorious for his poker skills, gradually amassing $10,000 that he used to bankroll a winning run for a seat in Congress, the beginning of political adventures that would lead him to the White House. In 1990, when Nixon was asked to summarize his contentious and controversial career, he dryly answered, won some, lost some, all interesting. Today is also the birthday in 1859 of American women's suffrage leader and founder of the League of Women Voters, Carrie Chapman Catt. In 1875, of American sculptress and founder of the Whitney Museum of American Art, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. In 1908, of French author and feminist Simone de Beauvoir. In 1914, of unclothes horse Gypsy Rose. 
Lee. In 1925, of American actor Lee Van Cleef. In 1928, of Jewish-American novelist Judith Krantz. In 1935, of American actor Bob Denver. In 1939, of English actress Susanna York. In 1941, of American folk singer and guitarist Joan Baez. In 1944, of English rock guitarist Jimmy Page. In 1951, of American country singer Crystal Gale. And in 1967, of American singer-songwriter Dave Matthews. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the fourth week of winter and the second week of the new year.